Today, friends, we have arrived at the final chapter of our journey through 1 Corinthians. 16 weeks we've spent in 1 Corinthians, 16 weeks we've had Paul <clears throat> encouraging us and scolding us, <laughs> and telling us this is what you ought to do and this is what you ought not do. Um, June 7th, we started on chapter 1. That feels like such a long time ago. Uh, June 7th, we were still doing online church, if you remember. Um, you know, go to YouTube on Sunday morning and, and hit the play button. Uh, we moved outside for chapters 2 through 8, uh, and in, we've been indoors since chapter 9. So it's, I think it's been good. Has it been good? Has it been good? Good. Uh, I, I hope Paul has, has, has poked you a little bit, has challenged you a little bit, has lifted you up, has given you a picture of what it means to... Uh, um, to do life together. Um, as we conclude today, we're going to read a sample, um, just a, a, the beginning portion of Paul's closing words to the church. And as we do that today, my hope is that uh, not, only will, not only will the words of this week of chapter 16 be in our minds, but also the words that he's given us these last 15 weeks. Um, 15 weeks is a lot to remember. Um, <laughs> I have trouble remembering yesterday what I had for breakfast. Um, and yet, the lessons that God speaks to our hearts stay with us. Uh, and, and so my hope is that, that in, our, in our consciousness, in our awareness, we have not only uh, what he says today, but also what he's been speaking. Um, for those who are able, would you stand as we read um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 16? I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 14 uh, from the Common English Bible today. A reading from the book of 1 Corinthians. Concerning the collection of money for God's people, you should do what I have directed the churches in Galatia to do. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside whatever you can afford from what you earn so that the collection won't be delayed until I come. Then when I get there, I'll send whomever you approve to Jerusalem with letters of recommendation to bring your gift. If it seems right for me to go too, they'll travel with me. I'll come to you after I go through Macedonia, and because I'm going through Macedonia, I may stay with you uh, or even spend the winter there in Corinth so that you can send me on my way to wherever I'm off to next. I don't want to make a quick visit to you since I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord let it lets it happen. I'll stay here in Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. In spite of the fact that there are many opponents, a big and productive opportunity has opened up for my mission here. If Timothy comes to you, be sure that he has no reason to be afraid while he's with you, because he does the work of the Lord just like I do. So don't let anyone disrespect him, but send him on in peace so he can join me. I'm waiting for him along with the brothers and sisters. Concerning Apollos, our brother, I strongly encouraged him to visit you with the brothers and sisters, but he didn't want to go now. He'll come when he has an opportunity. Listen to these verses. Verse 13, stay awake. Stand firm in your faith, be brave, be strong. Everything should be done in love. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. <clears throat> like I said earlier, uh, I, I spent this last week um, on vacation. I, I do have to say thanks to the staff. Um, I, I leave and nothing changes. Things just keep motoring on, um, and that's how it should be. Uh, our staff team has been amazing over the course of these awkward and weird times. 
to serve us and to, to minister to us. Um, and, and I praise God for, for the team uh, that we have in place over uh, here at, here at um, Mountain Home Church. Um, I spent my vacation uh, painting, painting a house. We didn't go anywhere fun. We didn't do anything fun. We did a big old chore. It's been horrible. Um, <laughs> worst vacation ever. Um, <laughs> The house looks good. Uh, we're still in process a little bit as we finish up um, painting the trim and things. But uh, I don't. I don't recommend if you're wanting a nice, calming, relaxing, refreshing vacation. Don't paint a house. Um, I did find out that if I were a painter, however, or if I was on a paint crew, taping would be my job. That's my job. I I want to be the person who tapes things off, um, and. Uh, you know, I can be as precise um, and anal as I want to be uh, as I tape things off, and and it's and it's a good thing. And so, um, but we're we're just kind of in the final stages. My kids are ready for the project to be done. Um, and if any of you want to paint some trim, uh, bring a paintbrush. Uh, we got something for you to do. <clears throat> um, chapter sixteen has. Um, what I have described as the number one anti-COVID verse in the Bible. Did you look down at verse 20? It says this, All the brothers and sisters greet you. You in turn should greet each other with a holy kiss. Um, we won't be practicing that, and I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't include that in the, in the reading um, today. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, this is not COVID-approved uh, behavior. So we have arrived at the end of the letter. Um, we have like these wrap-up comments from Paul in this, in this chapter. And here again, we see that, that there's some ongoing correspondence between Paul and the church at Corinth. Paul was one of the founders of the church, had, had on one of his missionary journeys started this group of believers and begun to, to set a rhythm of, of worship for these people, a place to, to lift high the name of Jesus Christ. Um, church for them looked a lot different. We've talked about this. It's probably happening in homes. Um, this is not something that the government's real excited about. There's no building to gather at. And so they meet together in homes. And one person would share a word, and someone would share a testimony, and somebody would, would read a letter or, or read something um, from the Old Testament and talk about the story they heard about what Jesus did when he was here. Uh, and this was the community that Paul had, had established there, and yet he had stayed in communication. Look at verse 1. It says, the first words in verse 1 says, concerning the collection of money. So they were in this ongoing conversation. We believe that there was a letter that the Corinthian church had sent to Paul where they had asked several questions. Several times through this book, Paul's like, well, and now concerning this, this is what you ought to do. It's like they had asked a question. What do we do? How do we handle this? How do we approach this? And so he's answering a question for them concerning the collection. It's like Paul uh, is, is clarifying for them. They, they, they knew about it. They knew about the collection, but they were asking how to get it done and what they should do. The amazing thing about this reality is, is even here, even, even in New Testament Corinth, 
It points back to a major theme that we find in 1 Corinthians. We are family. The, the, the church in Corinth, do we remember where Corinth is? We talked about this early on especially. Corinth is in the, the southern part of Greece, so on the northern edge uh, of the Mediterranean Sea. There's a little uh, peninsula that, that uh, pokes out into the Mediterranean Sea, and Corinth is right on that narrow strip of land that connects a larger piece of land to the mainland. And Jerusalem, if this is the Mediterranean Sea, and Corinth is way up here, Jerusalem is all the way down here in Israel on the eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea. And followers of the way, those, those that were taught by Christ in this, in this very small geographical region of Israel, okay? Jesus didn't go very far in his life, um, the, the, the biggest trip probably was when he fled from Herod right after he was born. Scripture says uh, Joseph and Mary took him down to Egypt. But outside of that, his ministry was in a very small area just in Israel. And, and we're talking Corinth, which is halfway around the Mediterranean Sea. You've got to go all the way up through modern-day Turkey and around, um, around the water down into Greece all the way to Corinth. Um, and the reality that Jesus' name is being preached here 20 years after his ministry, 600, 800 miles away. It's longer if you go around. That's, that's like by boat if you cut across the sea. And they didn't have Facebook back then. <laughs> they didn't have Facebook Live. They didn't, they didn't have methods of communication today. We're such a global society. We know things that happen around the world so fast these days. My phone lights up and says, this happened or that happened. Um, this was a means of connection for those who followed the way. For those who followed Christ, Paul was encouraging his churches to say, we have some needs here for the church in Jerusalem. The cool thing is, we have that same connection Today, that same mission connection today ties us together, ties us together with those that would worship Jesus Christ. Not only like churches of the Nazarene, the church of the Nazarene is all over the world today in, in many places, 150, 180 world areas, somewhere like that. And yet, we're connected to all those that call Christ Lord, to all those who worship Jesus Christ. Do you know that today, all around the world, People are singing songs to our Savior. People are sharing at table, breaking bread, taking the elements of communion in remembrance of the one who died on a cross for you and for me. We join them today. And this was happening in, in A.D. 50, A.D. 60. Already, people were spreading the word. That's how powerful the message of Jesus Christ was. Then he talks about plans to come and visit the church in Corinth. He had planned to, to take the long route to Corinth to, to, visit, to visit the church after going through Macedonia. Uh, he was in Ephesus, was on, which was right here, and there was uh, some, an inlet of water that came here, and he would have to travel through. Um, Ephesus was in, in the region of Galatia. He would have to travel through Macedonia to get down to Corinth. Um, 
there was kind of a straight shot if he went by boat over to Corinth. Uh, we find out actually in 2 Corinthians, and it, I don't know if any of you have done this, but if you want to read the rest of the story, remember Paul Harvey and the rest of the story, uh, you can read 2 Corinthians. Um, and, and we find out in 2 Corinthians that Paul changed his mind and came directly to Corinth to see them. He wrote it down. Careful what you write down because you never know what's going to happen. But he said, this is my plan. I, the thing I love about that is Paul, Paul was just doing the best he could. He, he had a plan. This was his plan, and he shared it with the, with the group, and he ended up coming directly to Corinth from, from Ephesus. We don't know what changed his mind. We don't know what caused this change or, or his change of plans. We don't really know. Something had concerned him, and he decided to come straight to Corinth. One author I was reading this week connected it to the next section about Timothy. Uh, Paul mentioned send, sending Timothy, right? And perhaps his treatment wasn't stellar. Maybe he got word back from Timothy that he's like, Paul, you got to get here fast, man. I don't know what's going on with, with these people in Corinth. Um, maybe there were concerning reports from Timothy. Whatever the case was, Paul changes his plans. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. And apparently it didn't go very well. So the timeline is, he sends this letter, 1 Corinthians, to the church and, and announces his plans to kind of take his time and go up through um, Macedonia. Um, and, and he receives word and he goes directly to Corinth. And then after he's left, we get 2 Corinthians because he talks about this visit that he had come to see them. Um, and it's clear... <laughs> Things didn't go really well. The, the, the Corinthians were just got in more trouble, got, got, made some more mistakes. They didn't understand Paul's heart. The letters aren't received all that well. His visit isn't received all that well. But he implores the Corinthians. In this chapter, in chapter 16, he implores, treat Timothy well. Care for him. Be the church to the servant of God. One of the things that, that Timothy struggled with was his age, that he was young, that he was younger than, than a lot of folks um, in the church. And, and there's, a, there's an important lesson here for how the church is supposed to treat young people, whether that's teenagers or children, young adults. How do we treat the young. There's an important lesson for us. Then he talks about Apollos and gives a picture of, of unity, of brotherhood, of kinship between him and Apollos. Him and, him and Apollos had been talking, which is kind of, kind of striking, kind of, kind of weird. Do you remember early on how factions in the church were one of the biggest things that Paul was talking about? He said uh, early on in the, in, the, in the letter, he said, some say they follow Paul. Some say they follow Apollos. That wasn't how Paul saw this, saw this at all. Uh, you get the idea that they were, they, they were somehow opposed, these factions that were following Paul, following Apollos. And, and Paul takes time right here to say, we've been chatting. I actually encouraged Apollos to come. <laughs> the people who are following Paul saying, you did what? what? Why are you sending Apollos our way? Because we're all preaching the same gospel. 
Earlier he said, I planted, Apollos watered. Here we see Paul and Apollos are in dialogue and Paul's encouraging him, go back to Corinth. Go spend some time investing in those people and caring for those people. And Paul was encouraging his return. The lesson here is that it's one of the most profound and prominent themes in, in 1 Corinthians that these factions have developed, that we're prone to do this. We're prone to end up saying, who's, who's the person that I wish to follow? We're so prone to that lie, to that deception and that seduction in our lives, even today, to follow our person, to fix our eyes on on. Uh, a leader, to fix our eyes on a teacher, to fix our eyes on, on a, a charismatic person. Thinking, maybe this will be, be the difference. Maybe this is what I need. As your pastor, as the leader of this church, I want to say, don't fix your eyes on me. Don't fix your eyes on our staff. There's only one person worthy of that, and that's Jesus Christ. But we don't look to some charismatic or popular leader. We're not going to, to fix our problems with a person. That's not how the church works. That's not how the world works. One of the, the writers that I'm reading wrote this. Gordon Fee wrote this. The gospel is God's thing and God's alone. And so too, therefore, is the church. The church, Paul argues strenuously, becomes, belongs neither to himself nor to Apollos nor to them, the Corinthians. The church belongs to God through Christ. And all of its ministers, including the founders, including Paul himself, are merely servants. Doesn't that give you great hope? Doesn't that give you great hope? The church doesn't belong to us. The church doesn't belong to me or to the leaders or to the staff. The church is God's. The church belongs to Christ, as does the message of the church, the gospel. And that's all we preach. That's the only thing that gives us hope. That's what we ought to be excited about. It is all God's. And so he signs off as a close and as a summary to all he has written, to all he has taught. He gives five quick instructions for the people of Corinth. Stay awake. Here's the first four. Stay awake. Stand firm in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. It's like he, he, he specifically addressed issue after issue, talking about the factions, talking about all that, that had gone on, the, the reports he had heard, the ways that the Corinthians had misstepped, the, 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 the things they needed to learn and how they were overemphasizing some things and, and really forgetting about other important things. And he says, this is what it takes. If you want to be the church that... The, that Christ wants you to be. If you, if you want to be the church that I'm, I'm encouraging you, that you can become as scattered and as back and forth as this letter from Paul turned out. He kind of goes on rabbit trails here, and then he talks about this, throws in this excellent love chapter. After talking about the church being like a body, 
as scattered as this letter is, he boils his instruction down to a very simple set of encouragements. Do you want to avoid factions? You need to stay awake. He talked about lawsuits. Chapter 6, he says, stand firm in the faith. Stand firmly together. Talked about the suppression of the have-nots by the haves. He says, be brave. It takes bravery. It takes courage to understand one another as equals. Do the countercultural thing. Let the church be different. Talked about being the body and using your gifts. Be strong. Offer those gifts back to the body. And he concludes in his instructions with this fifth line. Everything should be done in love. Everything should be done in love. The church operates on a different ethic. The church operates on a different plane of behavior and decision making. One that's based on love. One that's based on care and concern for the other. That's what it takes. That's what it takes to be the kind of church that Paul is encouraging us to be. And the church in Corinth to be. Paul's whole letter summed up in just a few phrases. Phrases that apply not only back then to the church in Corinth that was having these troubles, that was having these issues, trying to figure out how do we relate to each other. But these phrases speak to us as well. Phrases that instruct us. Stay awake. Stand firm in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. And everything should be done in love. Amen. We've spent this past year focused on, on a particular theme. In January, we introduced this theme of becoming one. <laughs> becoming one. I never would have guessed. This is January 2020. We're still meeting together. We have no idea what's coming in 2020. And we say, how about we, how about we have this theme for the year? We're going to become one body this year. Whatever it takes. Do you even remember January? Before closures, before masks, before COVID, before online school, before cancellations, before we were all Zoom and Skype and Google Meet experts. I believe God led us to a place where we said, it is so important this year that we focus on becoming one body because the world is going to try to pull us apart. The world's going to say, it's not worth it. Don't go to church. The world's going to say, it's scary. It's dangerous out there. And God said, be the church. Become one body this year. In all of its challenges, in all that you will go through this year, this is central and this is critical because the message of the gospel does not belong to us, but belongs to Jesus Christ. And we preach that. We live that every week. That is who we are. And that is who we will always be. Becoming one body, becoming one church, becoming one people, becoming one.
Paul provides a great guide for us throughout this letter. Uh, and I hope you can read it, understanding more the context and seeing it all as, as one big letter. It's likely that when they first got this letter, they were so excited and they gathered everybody up and they read it from beginning to end. People in the back thinking, how long is Paul going to write this, this letter? But here as they reach the end of the letter, we see this guide that Paul developed. Renounce the factions. Remember that the gospel belongs to Christ and therefore the church does too. Let's live in God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. Let's lay down our rights for the sake of others. Let's see our brothers and sisters as equal participants and on the same footing Let's offer our gifts to the church, whatever they are. However God has, has blessed us, the gifts that the Spirit has given us are meant to serve the church. We're not all eyes. We're not all feet. We're not all mouths. But the, but the gospel of Jesus Christ needs us all. And that's Paul's message to the church in Corinth and to the church in Mountain Home. I'm going to invite the praise team uh, to come on back up here, uh, a group of people who are using their gifts to serve the church body. Amen? Aren't we thankful for them? There's another way that we are church together, and it's, on, it's kind of on display today. We, I didn't time this. This wasn't some great conspiracy plan. There are life group sign-ups outside. One of our core values is we are better together. And life groups give us the chance to do that. Whether it's a, a Bible study that happens on, on a certain night of the week or, or maybe it's a life group that discusses sermon questions or maybe it's a, a life group that's formed just to, to, to go through a, a different Bible study. Um, it's so important. We have two, two new, f or new features today. Um, uh, as we start up um, core groups this year, um, some of them are happening during the day. We have some daytime groups uh, that, that might work for some people. Um, we have some that are age-specific, like the senior high group or, or the young adult group. Um, some that will discuss a sermon, like the, the sermon-based sermon discussion. Others that will, that will study um, other Bible studies. Why are we doing this? Because life together is so important in the body that we will never become one if we just gather on Sunday and then go our separate ways. That part of joining together is diving deep into the word of God. This is part of the process of becoming one by the grace of God. How we learn, how we share life, how we support each other is done in this way. I invite you to be a part of it and to check it out and try it out. Let's pray, and then we'll sing before we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for this letter that has been preserved for us. So thank you that it still exists and can still challenge us and speak to us even today, even in the midst of all that we're going through, Father. I'm so grateful for this church family and how they uh, encourage me and how they, they challenge me to grow in my faith. I pray today that you would 
be near to each of us. Speak to our hearts and help us. Help us to stay awake, <laughs> to stand firm in our faith, to be, to be brave, to be strong. But I pray that in all that we say and in how we relate and how we say hi to each other on Sunday mornings and how we greet each other when we see each other at the hardware store, that everything might be done in love. In another place in this scripture, when Jesus is talking, he says, they will know you are followers of me by the way you love. May that be so in our lives. May it be evident in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We serve a beautiful, a wonderful, powerful God in Jesus Christ. Amen. As you're able, would you stand, extend your hands to receive the morning's benediction. Today's benediction is from the last two verses. This is 1 Corinthians, the last two verses. I thought it would be a fitting end to our journey through this book. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.